There's three things I want to I want to rattle off before I jump into my sermon. And the first one is our building situation slash our new location situation. At this stage, we know as much as you know. <laughs> and there's peace in that. We haven't got a location as of yet. We've looked at a few. We've phoned a lot of people. And we know this. We know that we are moving at this stage on the 1st of March. Why do I say at this stage? Because I have no idea where we're going. And I've been reading a lot. Jess and I have been spending a lot of time reading and it's been raining outside. So I've seen that as a blessing. I've read and I've laid and I've read some more and I've laid some more. That's about my holidays. And we've been looking through a lot of this leadership stuff and and we've done a lot in leadership and trying to continue to grow and and stay on the edge of being better leaders because we can always be doing that. And a lot of stuff I've read is, is kind of conflicting in the, in the way of show strength and don't show weakness, but then on the other hand, be vulnerable and show the people you're leading where you're at. And the reality for us is that this has been a challenging, last year was challenging for Jess and I, and that's good because it means that we're going to be strengthened and we're going to become better this year. I hope that it's a little less challenging and we can use some of the strengthening, but we'll, we'll go where God asks us to go. But... The challenge in this for me is that I know I've heard God speak that he has us and he will sort us out. But what's challenging in that for me is that it could be the last minute. So while we don't know where we're going, we don't know what it looks like, I I can't explain to you the next step because I'm holding the lantern down to that step as closely as you guys are. I can say this, we're going to be okay. We're going to be in a spot if it's here, if it's there, if it's a different time. God has something for us and he's moving us in that direction. And it's been a challenge for us to, to ask, God, do we, what do we do here? Is this you telling us to close us? Is this you telling us to go bigger, to go smaller, to go deeper, to go wider? And I think that there's somewhat of joy in God for us to lean closer in at this time. You know, that there's almost like a while we're in the wilderness, God is saying they're coming closer. So I, there's an element of that that's, that's encouraging. So we don't know where we're going, but I trust God with all of this that, we, that he has spoken to us, he has given us a word, and, and that he will stand with us in this. So I'm not worried, but just so that you guys know, there's not a hidden something that we've got planning in the background at this stage. We're leaning in, we're leaning in. But I want to ask you guys, be praying, be praying for us, be praying for this house be in your prayer time, it, it, it's a part of, and I'm going to preach on it this morning, that it's not just Jess and I, that we are a, a community, right? We are a body. I, I need you guys to be standing with us, to be praying with us, to be trusting, to be asking God. If you're hearing something, if, if you get a word from God, send that to us. Let us hold it. Let us, let us carry that. Don't, don't hold back the prophetic things God is speaking. If you see a building, regardless of how ridiculous it is, send it through to me. You know, we're at this stage, we're going and, and looking at things we well and truly can't afford. We're looking at things that wouldn't work. We're kind of bouncing between <laughs> whatever God says we're going. So b- walk with us in that. Is that okay? The next thing is another uh, question mark that leads us to a place where we need to be ready to move at all times. The current COVID 
conversation that we continually get to keep having even into a new year is that we don't know what's taking place. We, we are hearing things change, mandates, isolation, rule changes, all those sorts of things. But I want to ask if you guys will care for the person next to you and be okay asking the person next to you for care. If you get come down with the illness and you need to take some time away, don't go and hide in a bunker. Tell somebody. Let us walk with you. It doesn't have to be Jess or I. If you need help and you say, hey, I've got, I, can't, I don't know anybody in the community, can you help me? We can help you. But don't do this alone. Let's walk together. Let's help each other. Let's care for each other and love each other however we can. At, in the current moment, there's, it's hard to get food at grocery stores. Invite someone to your house. If you look like you've got more food, bring somebody over. Make a phone call. Say, hey, we've got plenty of food on. Why don't you come? If we can operate together as a community, we can look after each other and care for those around us. If you've got somebody in your sphere who's not in this community, invite them into your home. Your home is going to be the first port of call that they're going to see Jesus in your life, in your home. It doesn't have to be on Sunday morning. Let them come to your dining room table. Let them see Christ from your dining room table. But at the moment, we need to stay flexible. If someone gets it, I will be very quick to respond and let everybody know how we're going to deal with that, what that looks like. But it's hard to say this is the hard and fast plan when it changes every blink of an eye. So I want to ask, please be flexible with us and please show us some grace while we try and navigate it as well. But in that, there's three primary ways that we are going to communicate moving forward. The app, which if you've got a smartphone which 97.6% of us should have smartphones. Get the app. We are going to send notifications out on it. We're going to put all our sermons up there. We've got a, a podcast we're going to be la- launching um, the next couple of weeks with a few episodes that we've already done. Um, that'll all come out in the app. So please do that. Also, if you're not on Elvanto, I'm pretty sure most of us here are, so you should be all sweet. But also, let us have your details so we can send a text message. We're not going to spam you. We're just sending out info that we need to send out. And lastly is Facebook. We will just put posts on our Facebook page. If you can like the page, I'm not looking for 500 likes. Just you guys that we know we can get the info to. I don't want to hear, well, I didn't know that was happening. Well, these are the three areas we are going to push. Is that okay? App, text message, so get your details to Alvanto and Facebook. All good? All right. Thank the Lord for that. We got through those notifications. I want to preach this morning on something that I felt during um, our time away, something that I felt God stirring, which I've, I've kind of preached before, but in, in a less roundabout way. And something that takes place every year that we get to be, all be a part of is New Year's resolutions. And I was thinking through this year as we, the New Year's came and went, and I, I really got to this place where nothing changed. Right? I woke up New Year's Day, and I felt pretty much the same how I felt New Year's Eve. Right? There was no fresh attitude. I didn't put my joggers on and go for a run. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't feel like a new person, but that wasn't, that's not a sad thing for me because I felt how I felt going into it, which is where God was leading us. And the difference for, for us, I think, as Christians is that God doesn't operate on the worldly January to December calendar that we, we, we may feel that we need to. 
We all come to this place of we need a New Year's resolution. We need a word for the year. And while I don't think that's a bad thing, if you've got a word for the year, that's great. But what I am pressing into is that the ticking over of December to January has changed nothing in your life. If you were in a mess December 31, guess what? January 1, that mess still needs to be cleaned up. Your bed's still unmade, the floors are still sticky, the walls still smell. I don't know why your walls smell, but if your walls smell... <laughs> Lise looked at me like, Ben, what's happening in your home? Do I need to come over and help out? No, my walls don't stink. But the reality is, is that the mess in our life is not a, a genie rub where God is just going to click at our new year, new me. There's no reality in that. And when we stand as, as Bible-believing believers, then we have to get to the place where we say, God, you are the foundation of my life. You are the one who cleans, who cleanses. The Holy Spirit comes, he helps, he, he disrupts, if you will, to, to get us to change out of the place. But the reality is, is that those things in our life, those things that hurt us, those things that are, are, are bugbears in our life, there's only two people that can fix those things, you and God. You and the Father, you and Christ, you and the Spirit. When we look out and we say, well, all these things are going wrong, those around us can help. Absolutely, we can help you. That's what a community is to do, is to help you in those. But when it comes to that place, you can't just wait and hope that that tick over in the calendar is going to bring about a new way of life, a new idea, a new, a new place. Sure, we can set things that we didn't do last year. And Jess and I have done that in our marriage and in our workplaces and what we want to do this year. Absolutely, it's, it's very wise things to set goals but what we have to remember is that if we carry that over and go well now that's finished with but i haven't dealt with it those things that have been in 2021 2021 goodness gracious it's gone fast those things that were in 2021 if you haven't dealt with them guess where they're going to show up in 2022 they're going to show right back up because God is saying to you, there's a problem and I want to help you walk it out. I want to help you bring about change in your world so that you can go and bring the kingdom to the places that are around you. God is calling us to operate in his kingdom and he's saying, don't just wait for me to change something. Come with me and I will walk it out with you. If you've got a Bible with you, go to, go to Haggai for me. Haggai chapter 1. Haggai is a book in the Bible. How exciting. I heard some. Is that, is that a book? That's in there. Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord gives a word to Haggai and he says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. The people have said the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. But the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. It is a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, 
Consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes in it. You have sown much, but you've harvested little. You've eaten, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes in it. You have done these things in vain to build your own house. But when the fire comes, it all burns in the rubble. What is happening in this verse is that the people are saying, it's time for me to think about me. It's time for me to build my own house. It's time for me to put my paneled things together. 2022 is about me this year. I've got to do what I've got to do. I'm going to put myself back together. I'm going to ready my family. I'm going to build my empire. And when that's completed, when that's done, then I will go and I'll build the house of the Lord. There's something in this to me that when I see all these these. New Year's resolutions, all these things that I want to change. For most people, it's about building my house. Lord, when I'm done, when my roof is put up, when my fences are put in, then I'll come and I'll build your house. I promise. But what happens with that promise is that the house never gets built because we want a pool and then we want a bigger living room and then we want the upgrade and then we want and we want and we want and we want. And God in this verse says to Haggai, Haggai, ask them, Is this a time for you to dwell inside your home, into your paneled houses, when my house, the house of the Lord, lays in ruins? See, what God is saying to them is he's saying, if you come and you build my house, I will bring you the protection by which you you need and by which you want. But what happens is we get so inwardly focused, and I, I am... I am guilty of this as well. Lord, just give me these things and then I'll feel content and I'll have the ability then to go and do what you want me to do. Just give me the things I need. But what happens is we get those things and guess what? We add a few more things to the list. We add a few more things to the list. We add a few more things to the list. We add a few more things and God is looking at us and saying, my house is still in ruins. And this is challenging for us because we, like I said, we ticked over and we said, okay, Lord, this is my year. This is my year. I'm going to get a, a husband. I'm going to get a wife. I'm going to buy a home. I'm going to have the children. I'm going to get that dream job. I'm going to do, I'm going to do. And God is saying, you've forgotten my house. There's still lazy ruins. And the challenge for us in this is that we have to look around and say, well, Lord, how do I help you when my house is in ruins? How can, I, how can I go and help you build yours when mine is in ruins? And that's a part of what I'm saying where we have to start to evaluate what's happening in our world so that we can see the kingdom in our house and then take the kingdom to those who don't have any house. There's an element of cleaning up what we've already got, but that's not asking for more. What God is asking Haggai to say is he's saying, Haggai, challenge them. Ask them how it's going for them. Ask them how building their own house is going for them. Ask them how they've sown and not reaped. Ask them how their money has gone into a bucket with holes in it. I promise there's going to be a pump up and feel good at the end of this. I promise. Because Haggai ends the verse with a phenomenal pump up. 
But the problem I see for the church, particularly in the contemporary West, is that we want the pump up, but we don't want to get the harsh slap that leads us into the pump up. Right? We want the get fit quick pill. We want the fast food. But what's happening is God is saying, I see a problem and if I tell you the problem and we see the, 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 the resolution, I can bring you into the promise. But you've got to go through the journey out of the problem into the promise. Right? It's, it's the, the, the walking through the promised land. But in order for us to do this, we have to go beyond ourselves. We have to go beyond our own picket fences. We have to go beyond our list of do's and wants, our list of turmoils, the victim mentality of woe is me, this has happened or that's happened. We have to go beyond that to say, God, my hand that I've been dealt has been terrible. My home is in ruins. My things are broken. But Lord, I trust you and I want to build your house. So what do I do? And do you know what he's going to do? He's going to speak to you about how to come out of your problem. He may send you helpers, he may send you support, but he's going to call you to come out, to come with him out of the mess. Haggai continues on in, in uh, verse 7. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills, bring wood, and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord that I may be glorified. Go and do this, not for your sake, not for Ben's sake, but for the sake of the Lord, that he may be glorified. One of the things that Jess and I have had to talk through over this break and wrestle, and, and it's a question that we constantly ask, and I th- hope that we continue to ask is, is this worth it? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? And every time we come back to the same answer, it's glorifying the king, therefore it's worth it. It brings glory to God, therefore it's worth it. That when we get to, thank you, Sean. (laughs) That when we get to that place, when we get to the position of God, this is so painful, but it glorifies your name, so it's worth it. God, this job that I'm in is so painful. God, this place that you've put me is so painful. This relationship, this this hurt, this, 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 that, it's so painful, but it brings glory to me, so to, to you, God, so I will continue in it. Go up, bring the wood, build the house that I may take pleasure and be glorified. Verse 9, you looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house that lies in ruins. While each of you busies himself with his own house, therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and on all their labors. Because you have operated in selfishness, I have silenced the pouring from heaven. Because you have done it unto your own sake, I have removed my hand and no more will the Jew fall on the land. When we talk about finances, we're talking about giving to God because it keeps the window of heaven open. It keeps, which is the verse in in, um, Malachi. Malachi, yes, fantastic. It keeps the, the window to heaven open. What God is saying is that when you operate on my behalf, when you operate for the glorification of me, 
I will pour out the things that are in my kingdom. But when you remove yourself from operation in me, when you bring yourself to another field, there is no glory of me over there. You are choosing to operate from a different playing field, out of a different kingdom. And my glory, my goodness, the pouring from my heaven doesn't come in that kingdom. When we look to build for ourselves, we remove ourselves from the glorification, the outpouring of heaven, and God says no more. The land has been called a drought because we went and built, we tried it our way. You know, I, I look at this often from a, a church leader, leadership perspective and, and many churches around the, around the world and, and here on the coast who are crying out to God for, for, Lord, please bring renewal, bring revival, pour out your new wine, pour out your oil, fill our grain stores. And a question for me for so long has been, Lord, why? Why won't you? Why haven't you? If the prophecy of this land is the great land of the Holy Spirit, why? Why has there been no pouring? Why has there been no oil? Why has there been no fruit? And then I read this verse and it's like a punch in the guts because God says, you've made it about you and I will not pour out into your selfishness and your pride. That I want to see my house built. I want to see my kingdom come. I want to see my will done. That's what God is saying to us. That when I look at this, I say, all right, Lord, I lay down community. Take it. Tell me what to build. Tell me how to build it. Tell me where to put my feet. Tell me where to put my hands. Tell me what will bring you glory. Because when you're glorified, things are right. The waters flow. The honey and the oil flows. The grain stores are filled. And when I look over people's lives and I see and I see pain and suffering, and I hear the rhetoric, I hear the repeated of, I've never had, I don't get to, it's not for me, I, I need God, bring me. It's, I, I think to myself, this verse is exactly what God is saying. Why haven't I got, where's my wife, where's my husband, where's my good job, where's my money? Sean's got a nice house, where's my nice house? But I don't peel into his heart to see the glory that he's given himself over to God. I don't see the work he's run. It's like watching Tiger Woods play golf and go, Lord, why can't I play golf like that? I miss the hours of work. Sean's like, he does play. Oh, nearly had a, eh? But God is saying to us, when you give yourself to me, when you operate for my glory, that window of heaven will pour. That grain silo will be full. That milk and honey will flow. And this is not a, a, something that we have to whip ourselves over the back with. This is, all right, Lord, I've lost focus of you, even slightly. I've lost focus from you. Bring my life back to center on you, to bring you into everything, into my marriage, into my workplace, into my, my, my home lifestyle, into my, 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 my car picking choices, into the way that I speak with my friends, into the way that I order my coffee. Lord, bring your kingdom. Let me lay it down that all of that may be an honor to you. And then watch his hand bless the thing and it's not for the blessing that I give myself to God it's because of who he is that I give myself to God it's because of who he said he is and watch what happens when they shift their heart in verse 14 it says the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the son of Shethiel 
governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, that's us. God stirred the spirit and they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts. We're asking for the spirit of God to stir us up so that we get tingly feelings and gold dust on the, on the floor and, and a cloud and, and I feel good and I go home and have a good rest. No, we're asking God to stir the remnant. Why? So that all of us can work on the house of God that lays in ruins. The stirring of God is for us to be empowered to do the work of God, not for us to feel better and to fix us up to make us feel like, well, church was good this morning. I got empowered by the stirring of God. Why? To go and work on the house of God. That what the, what the Spirit of the Lord does in my life is encourage me and equip me to go and do more on His behalf. They came and they worked on the house of the Lord of, God, of hosts, their God. The Spirit stirred the remnant to become workers in the kingdom. The Spirit of God was the, the activating agent that allowed them to go and be proponents of change for His kingdom. That's why Spirit come. When we stand and sing as a community, Spirit come, come and move on us. Yes, there's healing. Yes, there's restoration. Yes, there's equipping. Yes, there's empowering. But not for our sake, for the sake of the gospel for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of, of hell being pushed back, for the sake of God taking more territory, He empowers us. Does that make sense? When we actually stand in a place where we say, Lord, come, come and wreck my life, restore it in your way and equip me so that I can bring what you've brought me out there, so that I can bring what you've brought me to those in my community, to those in my sphere of influence. We see this in Acts. You don't have to go there, but I can read it to you, but you can go and read it later. In Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, we see that when the Spirit falls in the upper room, it empowers those who are in the upper room. Right? The Spirit comes. They start speaking in, in other languages, in tongues. There's, there's glory. There's fire. There's equipping that takes place. Then they go out to the streets and they preach the gospel. And when the gospel moves on the city, it says that thousands get, thousands get added to their number. But look what happens when the gospel equips those in the streets. Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were brought together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. In their equipping, they go and equip those who are around them. 
the stirring of the Lord, the stirring of the Holy Spirit, the move of fire and power. Yes, it changed their life. It brought renewal. It brought healing. It brought equipping for a purpose so that they could go and add, so that they could go and add, so that they could go and add. Why is this so important to me? Why is this so, such a challenge in our first Sunday back? Because something that, that concerns me is that we get to a place two years from now, five years from now, six years from now, ten years from now, where we in this room are all still wrestling with the same problems we were wrestling with last year in 2021. Which means what? We go nowhere. We have to keep coming back and getting a renewal because every time we leave the renewal, we kill it. And then we have to come back and get another renewal. We have to come back and get another revival, come back and get it again and come back because we're not actually taking what God is doing, transforming our lives and then going and being who he's called us to be. See, the church is not meant to be a, a, a hospital where we just keep patching people up. There is an element of a hospital. Paul Tothill, which I think he stole it from somebody else, but I'll give Paul Tothill credit, says that it should be a hospital, a school, and an airport. That we come, we get put back together, we get trained and equipped and empowered, and then we go to where God's called us to go. And that's, every, that's not a, a year or two years, that's every Sunday we come, we realize there's stuff in my life, Lord, you're dealing with, I, I want help and support from those around us to be equipped, encouraged and recharged. Why? Because I'm going to go back out and bring your kingdom to those around me. I'm going to be equipped to the change. And the reason that this is so important and so exciting is because of what Haggai says at the end of, of chapter 2, verse 4 to 9. There's this lead up where God is saying, stop building your own home. Stop thinking about little old M.E. and start to operate in building my kingdom. Why? Because it's this important from, chapter, uh, from verse 4. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, thus says the Lord of hosts. Once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Why? Why do I want to not work on my own house? Because when we set our hearts on the kingdom of God and establishing his house, he pours out a glory better than anything else has seen in history. Based on this verse, it is correct for me to say that the the pouring out of glory that God is going to send this house, this city, this nation is greater than any other have seen before. Just picture that in your head for a moment. The pouring out of glory in this nation, in this house, in this city will be greater than the Welsh revivals, than the Azusa Street revivals, 
will be greater than, than any revival that you put as number one. That's what the verse says. But there's a prerequisite to the verse. It's that we the people, we the remnant, have to lay down our own selves. We have to lay down our own personal buildings. We have to lay down our own paneled homes. We have to lay down the desire to get what I need, to have the gold, to have the, the, the silver, to have the things that I need. We have to lay all that down and say, Lord, I am doing this for your kingdom, for your sake. Now, does that mean we can't have homes? No. Does that mean we can't buy a house? No. Does that mean we can't have those things that God's called us to? No, it doesn't. It means we can have those things so long as our heart is for Him, not for our own selfish gain. God puts in us the call to say, come to me in this direction and I will pour out on you. I will give you the things I've promised you. I will bring you into all the treasures of the nations. I will bring the glory like you've never seen, the silver, the gold. There will be no fear. There will be a peace that will remain. But there's a, there's a few key points in this verse. The first thing he says is, Be strong, you people, declares the, the Lord. Work, for I am with you. Work, for I am with you. We have to put our hands in the soil. We have to say, Lord, I'm here. I want to work. What's the work? What have you called me to? Where have you put my feet? Where have you put my hands? And in this time that we're in, in this current climate in the world, that is going to look different. For some of us, some of us have lost jobs. Some of us are in new professions. Some of us are, are staring down the barrel of new professions. Can I challenge you? Ask the Lord. Ask God. If my time is changing, let it be changed back to the plan and pattern that you had for me. I didn't want to stand here. I wanted to be somewhere else. And thankfully, and I, I praise God that I had the courage to turn down my plan and to pick up his. But I want to challenge you, we have to work. We can't sit on our bottoms, our hands, and do nothing and wait for God to move. I was having a conversation with a friend that I haven't seen for a long time yesterday and I asked him, are you, are you, do you have a partner? He said, no, nah, God still hasn't sent me one yet. He said, that's an interesting way to look at it. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, that means to say that you're, you've done everything you can do and now you're waiting. And it kind of like a penny dropped for him. He looked at me and I said, you got a job to do. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I'd clean myself up a little bit. One, I'd snazzy myself a little bit, cut my hair, trim my beard, brush my teeth, just a starting point. I'd be doing everything in my power to position myself to say, Lord, I'm here, I'm ready. And I said to him while he was looking at me, I said, because you're about to find and date his daughter. So if I'm a father and I'm looking at you, you don't look like my choice. And I was a bit rough with him, but we were sitting over the table. We were allowed to have a rest, bit of a wrestle, but I hopefully I got through to him to say, hey, there may be things in your life that you need to put your hands to. There may be things in your life that you need to go, hey, God, I want to ready myself. So in, in, in another way, look at it. If, if I say, well, you know, I want to preach the word, but God hasn't readied me. Do you read the word? Do you study the word? 
See, I think in some of these things, we've hyper-spiritualized the thing that God is just going to genie it in. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, now I'm a, I'm a speaker. No, you've you got to put the time in. Well, I want to lead people. Well, do you know anything about leading? No. Let's start there. I want to look after homeless people. So I'm going to go and open something. Well, how about you just find one? Look after one. How about you go and see Malanidi and Chan Coco? Go and say, hey, how, let me start somewhere. Don't run out onto your own to go, well, I'm just going to do this and God's got to bless it. That's not how it works. Because what you're doing in that is you're doing it for ME again. Yes, it's ministry, but you're still doing it for yourself. What God is saying to us is work. Put your hands in the soil. Let me show you where to put your hands. Because he says in the next verse, his spirit is in our midst. Who believes that the spirit of God is in our midst? Okay, we believe the spirit of God is in our midst. We really believe that. Can I challenge you that that is a difficult thing to put our hand up to, that the spirit of Yahweh is in our midst. I've had to wrestle with this because I believe this. But then when I'm on the phone calling real estate agents and they say, no, that building's no longer available. No, that's not, I go, Lord, what are you doing? And then I get a smack. I'm in your midst. I'm in your midst. But we forget it when we get to the place of, of trouble, when we get to the place of anxiety and depression, when we get to the place of sadness and pain and suffering, we quickly throw out that belief and understanding of he's in our midst because we go, I'm here on my own. Nobody is with me. But then when we get asked that question on a Sunday morning, do you believe he's in our midst? We go, yes, I believe it. But tomorrow morning, when the six o'clock alarm goes off, and we start thinking to ourselves, man, I'm tired, I'm lonely, I'm anxious, I'm angry, I'm, I'm, I'm hurt, I'm struggling. Then that question has to roll around in our head. Do you believe that the spirit of Yahweh God, the creator, is in your midst? When we face a difficult situation, when we face illness, when we face those things, that's the question we have to ask. God, do I believe? Why? Because the next part of the verse he says is he says, fear not. See, when our belief is founded in the fact that the, the Spirit of Yahweh God is in our midst, the next line is, then fear not. Are we going to get a building? Do you believe that I'm in your midst? Yes, Lord, I do. Then fear not. Do you believe I'm in my midst? Yes. Where's the money for this bill coming from? Then fear not, because I'm in your midst. When we get that understanding, when it becomes not just a head knowledge, but a fundamental heart knowledge, we, we, we operate without fear. Why? Because we know that He is in our midst. And that doesn't, to, that doesn't mean to say that fear won't come, sadness, anxiety, depression, those things won't come. But when they do come, we have a defense to say, I fear not. Why? Because He's in my midst. He is in my midst, the Creator God. And I will fear not. And the reason I won't fear is because the next verse says there's a shaking upon us. There is a shaking coming. When I look over the things of the earth and people are going, the enemy's winning. I'm like, no, he's not. The enemy should be doing a particular thing in his boots because there's something coming. There's a little Aussie reference. So those playing at home, it'll click. <laughs> Edie was looking very sternly in the forward. When things, when the enemy looks to be winning, 
The problem is, is that there is a shaking coming. And it says that once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry lands. I will shake the nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come in. It looks as if the enemy is winning. God knows exactly what's taking place. And fear not. Why? Because he's in our midst and he will shake what needs to be shook. The last thing it says in the verse is that glory is coming and peace will remain. The glory will fill the church once again, greater than any glory that's been seen before. And that there will be a peace that won't only come, but a peace that will remain on us. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the God of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord. When we understand the reality of this whole verse, that when we shift ourselves away from our own personal panel house building, and we realize, God, I'm laying this all down. I'm laying my career. I'm laying my family. I'm laying my house. I'm laying everything that I am. I'm laying down, Lord. I want to I establish it for you. You tell me what to pick back up. He's telling you to pick up your family, your husbands, your wives. He's not letting you lay that down. But he's saying, do that with me. Do that with me. In our careers, he may tell you to lay something down and you go, but Lord, I thought this was the plan. You thought wrong. But don't worry, fear not. I'm in your midst. I will build with you. When we come to that place, when we lay it all down and we get to the reality of, Lord, I'm not building for me. I'm not building for Ben. I'm not building for Ben and Jess or our family. God, I'm going to build this for you. I'm going to build my entire life. And at the end of my hundred years, when I raise my bat in the air, I'm going to say, Lord, I hope that I glorified you. I hope that it was worth it. I hope that I can hear those words ring out. Well done, my boy, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You did it for me. And there'll be things along the way. Already there's things along the way where we have to, like Josh said, we have to rebuild. We have to rethink. I love the fact that Josh came back from his holidays and the first thing he said at golf was, oh, I didn't really use these holidays very well. I just slobbed out. Because what that says to me is he says, I, I realized I could have done something differently. I could have changed it up. And next option I get, I'm going to change it. We have to face the fact that at times we're going to drop the ball, but I'm going to pick it up differently. I'm going to, I'm going to use it differently. There is a powerful move of God coming like we've never seen before. But it depends on us, the remnant, as to when and how it comes. It depends on us, the believers of Christ, to stand in the place and say, I will build your house, God. I will build your kingdom. And I don't know what that looks like for all of us. Does that mean coming to church on a Sunday morning? Yeah and no at the same time. I think there's, there's, there's power and there's, and there's strength in unity. There's strength in us building together. There's strength in being part of a community. But your individual call and, and, and leading of God is not just showing up for two hours once a week. That's not the call God's called you to. It's bigger than that. But this will help you achieve where we're going. It will help you be who he's calling you to be. He, it will help you live out your scroll that he's called you to. I get encouraged when I see guys like Mal and Edie and Sean, Dave, who say, I know what he's called me to. I'm going to go after it. That encourages me. Guys who said, I, I, don't, I, I know what is on my scroll and I'm just going to live it out. 
that's encouraging to rub shoulders, to be in the same room, to worship, to be on the same page. Is that helpful? Does anyone have any questions they want to ask before I pray? No? No questions? Look over my glasses where it's blurry? No? Let's pray. Father, God, to stand and preach your word is an honor. And Lord, I pray that you help me to live the life that you've asked me to explain this morning. God, help me, help all of us to live the life you've called us to. God, help us to see the places that we are building our own paneled homes. Help us to see the things that we are focused on ourselves and our kingdoms when we should be focused on you and your kingdom. God, help us to see the places where, where your house lays in ruins and the, the, the job that you've called us to. God, like Nehemiah, standing in the comfort of the king's courts, help us to lay down what's comfortable to potentially pick up what is uncomfortable and challenging. God, help us to see that there's more to this than we may have originally thought. God, help us to see your will, your kingdom. Lord, Jesus asks us to pray that your kingdom come, your will be done. Help us to really believe that in our heart. That when we say that prayer, we're not just giving lip service, but we really desire your kingdom to come. We really desire your will to be done. And Lord, when you call us, when you ask us to step, give us the courage and the faith to step where you've asked us to step. Lord, give us the wisdom to lead our families, to guide our friends, to explain your ways. God, give us the courage to step where you've asked us to step. God, we love you. We honor you. And God, I just release your peace right now. Father, I pray if, if, if this word has been harsh, if things I've said that aren't of you, Lord, I pray that they fall away right now in your name, Jesus. But the things that you've wanted to establish here this morning, may they take root in our heart and may they begin to grow and may there be a harvest of the good fruit from your spirit. Lord, we love you, we honor you, we glorify your name. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we worship you, Jesus. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you. There's a coffee. If you buy someone a coffee, there'll be snacks and stuff at the back. Just a small sneaky little announcement. We have a special, very special person who's preaching next week. So you best be coming along. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hoot and nanny of a time. Be blessed and like I said, please remember, reach out to somebody. If you're struggling, if you need help, if you can help somebody, reach out and, and let them know. Let's help each other in this time, in this unusual uh, pandemic time. Be blessed.